the feel and the pulse at Oklahoma is just getting started. Because last year, we already talked about it. it. It wasn't ideal. It wasn't what you expected. It's not acceptable. But there can be two things that are true about Brent Venables in his first year at Oklahoma. The first is last year was well below the standard. We already covered that. The second thing that can also be true is you didn't hire Brent Venables to win you a national title in 2022. Hiring Brent Venables was a sustainable long-term play for Oklahoma because when they brought him in, when they announced him as the head coach, there was a feeling across that fan base that, okay, we got our guy. Not a guy who's just going to be a good coach. Not a guy who's just going to win some football games here. We got a guy that fits what we are here at Oklahoma, who's tough, who's disciplined, who's going to have a physical product on the field, who's going to play defense, who's going to be hard hat and lunch pail kind of mentality. That's what we want to get back to at Oklahoma. A lot of people, when Lincoln Riley left, we appreciate what he did for us here at Oklahoma, but to be real, he didn't match up with what we are as a brand and as what we want our football team to look like. And Brent Venables is that for them. J.D. McHill on three saying Brent Venables, he's still our guy. And Lincoln Riley wasn't when he was here. You agree with all that, Travis Davidson? Anything in there that you say, eh, J.D., I'd, I'd push back a little bit on that one. He was spitting, Tyler. He was spitting. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more with him. Couldn't agree yeah. more with him. Because, I mean, and that's what, I mean, even players were saying it when Lincoln was still here. He's like, man, it's just not feeling right. You even seen very, I don't know, almost anecdotal, I suppose, evidence of, hey, um, there were players being arrested, kicked off the team when he was here. Ain't having much of that now. Oh, and weird. His players, even when they get to the NFL, looking at you, Perry on Winfrey, seeming to get into some issues. Like, I mean, just looking at that and that alone, look at the decommitments. Look at all this. I mean, look at having to rely on still the mercenary style of, hey, if we can just get one more wide receiver here or, or, or one more here. Like, it's just – it's it's just so gilded and and it just feels completely different already it does feel completely different i the no does statement of the day they need to they need to go win 10 plus games though this year i i I think there's a lot of people that still feel that way but that's gonna go out the window if you throw out an eight and four season this year you know so yeah i think everyone's still confident i think most people are at least still confident but Got to show up this year with that schedule that we continually talk about every single day. Uh, All right, big news going on right now. Kelly Maxwell, dude, this is reporting in 2023, is it not? We feel that Kelly Maxwell will transfer from Oklahoma State to Oklahoma. Why? Because she says it in her Instagram profile. She has not released a statement or a graphic or anything, but since it says Oklahoma softball in her Instagram profile, I think we should all believe that Kelly Maxwell will be pitching for Patty Gasso's squad next year. That's reporting in 2023. Look at the Graham. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny, man. Social media, the, these, how much, like, heartbreak or jubilation, how, how many emotions have been affected by simple bio updates? I mean, people were claiming that Xavier Robinson changed his, his, uh, his bio, and people were, you know, making up things like he got his offer pulled. People going absolutely crazy over this bio stuff. And, you know, what it probably is, Tyler, she saw all the hate that Trace Ford got, all the hate she's already getting on Twitter, you know, people saying, you know, just nasty things about her, despite her being there for four years and being 
a, a, a massive part of the success that they had and much of the reason why they won, not much of the reason why they lost. So, I mean, I think she sees all that. And, I mean, you talked about or we've talked about Jordy and her mental health, uh, you know, during her decision and, you know, other softball players with their mental health with the transfer portal. I'm sure she looked at that and said, look, I'm going to change something on the bio because I don't want to give anybody any time to jump in the replies, anybody to jump in the quote tweets. Tyler, I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see a tweet from her for, like, a while. Until uh, she wins her first start at OU. Thankful for my teammates, something like that. She'll, she'll yeah. turn it off until then. Man, th- okay, so this is interesting, all right, because, I mean, we have seen players transfer from OU to OSU or OSU to OU, but not that much, man. Like, Is this just pure coincidence that in 12 months' time, Kelly Maxwell is leaving Oklahoma State to come to OU? Trace Ford has left Oklahoma State to come to OU. Lexi Keys has left Oklahoma State women's basketball to come to OU women's basketball. And what Cale Davis did in baseball as well. I, I just I, I feel like there's more Oklahoma State players hopping in the portal and end up at OU. And, and maybe that is just a total coincidence. I'm just trying to figure out why this is seemingly happening more than it ever has been. Because it's happening quite a bit right now. Yeah, and what, what I'm thinking is, is this the stigma, Tyler, of not transferring to your rival? If that gets, you know, kind of rounded out a little bit, smoothed over a little bit, if that pathway to your rival, you know, you've already sent Trace Ford and Kelly Maxwell and these others to clear some of that kind of those obstacles between it, and it becomes just another, hey, you know, it's cool to go play in Norman. It's fine. Look who, look who's done it before me. It's cool. Then Tyler, Oklahoma State's athletic department. This is a problem. This is a big problem because not only those transfers that you brought up, Tyler. How about, um, how about a certain defensive lineman, defensive end from Edmond Santa Fe, who held yep. an Oklahoma State offer, a full ride scholarship offer to play football. For Mike Gundy, he accepted a PWO plus NIL to go play for the Sooners instead and try and get on the field. That kind of situation, Tyler, is damning if you are a uh, Oklahoma State fan. And if you're an Oklahoma State coach, what are you supposed to say? I mean, you've got people going to your in-state rival, turning down full-ride scholarships to go play for your team, and the other school won't even offer them a, a full-time, a full-ride scholarship. They're still going to OU. And oh, by the way, your best softball player, she's going to OU. Oh, your most promising pass rusher that you've had in a minute, he's going to OU. I mean, it's. Ooh, and and it that's is, the it point. Is, that's the point right there. Is this is like Kelly Maxwell isn't just a throwaway player that may or may not be involved or be in the lineup next year, right? Trace Ford is not someone that. Okay, we really added him for depth purposes. Let, let's see if this one works out or not. Trace Ford's going to play a lot this year. Maybe he leads the team in sacks. I don't know if he's necessarily the favorite, but Trace Ford's going to play a lot of snaps. And he would have played healthy. a lot for OSU. Yeah, and Kelly Maxwell was going to be their best pitcher again uh, next year, too. So it's not that just players are leaving Oklahoma State to you. Like you said, those are two, those are, those are two big-time players. And, and the text line is trying to come up with reasons. KW in the 918 says it's not a coincidence. Three letters, which are the same reason why 
our recruiting will get better as well. SEC, and then here's from the 405, NIL issues for the Pokes. I'm Maybe the SEC has something to do with it. Maybe the NIL has something to do with it as well. It's probably a combination of both things when you look at it. So I, I just wonder if this is going to continue to be more of a thing that we see as we move forward here in all sports because we're seeing we've we've seen it the past what six months forget 12 months the past six months that i think that we've ever seen it before yeah and 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 the text line you know brings up good points Mm. like the the sec and the nil but tyler kelly maxwell could have gone to any sec school and could have got nil from any other program she could have gone to auburn or florida or, or, or or any of these schools that are that are throwing out that kind of stuff. Like, Georgia's investing heavily in that. Like, there were other options, but the biggest thing is it is no longer looked down upon to just go up the road to Norman. And thank God, because I'll take OSU's best players. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Come again. Bring some other people. Cool. Like, if, if, if you know, this becomes a norm, then it's, then it's almost the – Oh, sweet. Yeah, I can go play in the SEC and I can get some NIL, but I get to stay home. I get to stay around my friends. I get to stay around my family, maybe my significant others, you know, that may go to OSU still. I can stay around them. It is it is OSU's worst nightmare from a recruiting standpoint and a retention standpoint. 918, they just want to win. OU Optimist says three letters, SEC, NIL, and OAN. <laughs> Sooner Gundy says. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, hey, that's good. Hey, fellas, just mowing the yard and listening to OU football talk. Keep up the great work. Appreciate that. Man, uh, God bless you. I hope, you're, I hope you're not mowing here in, uh, in Tulsa. You're about to man. keel over. Sooner Todd, Kelly wants a ring. Yeah, She's going to have a good chance of getting one next year. Uh, 580 OSU is OU's new minor league team. So everyone is handling it like I hope they would. Uh, just sitting back and laughing and thinking about how awesome it is. You're taking some of their better players in a, in a few sports. But, yeah, Kelly Maxwell, it's Instagram official. So that basically means it's, it's a done deal. Oklahoma softball number 28, what else do you need to see? Kelly Maxwell's got it in the, uh, in the Instagram profile. So I'm, I'm, led, to, I'm led to believe that it's, uh, that it's all but official. And one point. 1.9, or excuse me, 1.91 ERA for Kelly Maxwell last year at OSU, 16-7 and seven record. I think she, this was late in the year. I think this was going into the Bedlam series, so I'm not sure where exactly she ended up. But going into the Bedlam series, I believe she had the third-best ERA in the Big 12 behind only Starocko, who was at a sub-1, and Nicole May, who was at a sub-1. So Kelly Maxwell was probably the best pitcher in the conference last year that didn't have an OU logo on her jersey. So that's what you're adding here. So you got Nicole May back. You got Kirsten Deal back. You got Peyton Monticelli in the transfer portal as well. Now that you add Kelly Maxwell, Travis, that is at worst four legitimate arms that you're going to have next year. And I think there's a world that exists where you didn't just add a really good arm. Maybe Kelly Maxwell ends up being your ace next year. I, I think she certainly has that potential. She has the potential, of course. But, and, and, you know, you say those numbers, Tyler. I think what's important to remember is she wasn't playing behind this defense, which is going to likely be the best defense in the country again, obviously have to replace Grace Lyons, the, maybe the best shortstop ever to play 
certainly uh, she's been called the best shot, shortstop ever to play at OU. But you've got to replace a little bit, but the defense is going to be incredible. You're going to have the bats behind you, so you're going to get in a lot of run rule type situations, most likely. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. You've got Jada Coleman you know, extending the center field wall even farther for you, which is always helpful to an ERA. And perhaps the, the, the best you know, ERA help you're going to get, Tyler, is you don't have to face Oklahoma's offense. Uh, which uh, yep. which is one, is one of those things you used to be able to look at the Big 12 defenses, Tyler, and uh, the rankings basically were whoever hasn't played Oklahoma yet, and then once everybody played Oklahoma, then you could accurately judge the defenses because that was such an outlier. That's what facing Oklahoma is, and and you know you think back to some times in Oklahoma State, we all remember the Texas game where they threw it to the outfield wall and blew the game against Texas, like, that stuff ain't happening at Oklahoma. So you don't have to deal with all that just nonsense. So, yeah, I mean, that ERA, I would be willing to bet a healthy sum of money that that ERA improves in 2020, uh, in the next season, 2024. Yeah, and and Tech's line is right. They also added uh, Carly Keeney from, uh, from Liberty as well, so... Yeah, so maybe five legitimate arms. Um, we'll, we'll see how they sort that sort that out. Um, they had basically a, a three three starting pitching rotation last year, and then you had um, Kirsten Deal towards the end of the year that might come in to to close the game or middle relief or whatever. But they are pitching is not going to be an issue for OU this year. Pitching you know what it sounds like, Tyler? Going to be an issue. You know what it sounds like? Competitive depth. Ooh, yeah, I've been hearing that one a lot recently. Competitive depth in the circle. I think Patty should say that her next press conference availability. There's no yeah. way she could say it more than Brent Venables has, but she can at least try. Yeah, competitive depth. I, I like it. She's sticking with the theme, the mantra of the university. Uh, someone from the 405, chances of Andy Bass to OU. I would say very strong. Good He chances. announced today, August 24th, he is going to announce between OU Kansas State and Syracuse, and, well, Travis, I mean, three weeks from that announcement date, as it sits right now, it feels like it would be very surprising if OU doesn't get the uh, three-star from Heritage Hall. Yeah, it would be surprising, Mm -hmm. and and, and I know that many on these airwaves are, you know, in the text line, they're like, okay, he's Caden Durham's replacement, Caden Durham's replacement. That's not necessarily what that means because OU has not stopped trying to recruit Caden Durham. So if, if they were just like, hey, Andy Bass can be a Durham replacement, then they would just say, hasta la vista, Caden. But they're still trying to recruit him. You know, obviously that day got moved to the 10th. I, I personally think it's LSU as well. But OU is still trying, and as we've seen from DeMarco Murray, I'm not going to put anything past him. 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer, Chevrolet text line. I'm at Westwood Golf today. Westwood Pool is hopping, and uh, they're still out here. It's it's hot. It's brutally hot in Norman, Oklahoma today. But some golfers, they are, uh, they're committed, committed to excellence on the golf course and still getting some shots up at the uh, driving range, getting nine holes in, 18 holes in. I am inside the comfortable confines of the grill. So come by, have a burger. They've got ESPN. They've got uh, Sports Center on the TVs. You can come cool off in here at the turn after nine. Westwood Golf and the Westwood Pool. Come check it out. ESPN, 
They have five ifs. Five ifs. If OU can answer these five questions, they could be a national championship contender this season. What are those five ifs? We'll tell you coming up next right here on The Ref. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Central Oklahoma View of GMC Dealers bringing you this hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. ESPN says, well, there's some ifs this year if OU football is going to be a national title contender. Five to be exact. They think with Georgia, there's only two ifs. They think with Bama and Ohio State, there's only three ifs. With Texas and USC, four ifs. But with OU, there's five. So here's what we're going to do, Travis. I'm going to run these down. One by one, you tell me on a scale of one to ten, ten being the highest, ten you're freaked out, you're panicked about it, what your concern level is with all these ifs. All right. And we'll start at the top. If recent star recruits shine in the skill core. So they're saying Javante Barnes, Jalil Farouk, Jaden Gibson, and Petaway live up to recent blue chip rankings. That's one of the ifs on OU being a national title contender. So where's your concern level or lack thereof with those players and maybe some other blue chippers at the skill positions living up to the uh, living up to their recruiting ranking? All right, so you said highly concerned and panicked is the 10 part, then I'm going to say I'm going to say a 2 because because there was a situation, you know, when Lincoln was recruiting those highly ranked classes, like look at 2019, for example, it was all fluff. It was all wide receivers. It was all exterior. I'm thinking P.J. Adebare, you know, step right up as far as I'm concerned on third down rushes, that guy coming off the edge and obvious passing downs going to be insane. You look at like a Peyton Bowen. I mean, that guy, I was talking with uh, with a now SEC offensive coordinator um, that was here in Tulsa at one of the games, and he said, Peyton Bowen, I used to coach uh, for the New York Jets when Jamal Adams was there. Peyton Bowen is Jamal Adams all over again. He said he's the best player in the country, and that was before he ended up at Oklahoma. Um, I am I'm, I'm very bullish on him. You know, in a perfect world, Tyler, we don't quite know how good Jackson Arnold can be because Dylan Gabriel plays extremely well and, you know, leads us, you know, as far as the offense uh, can be led. But, but yeah, I think, you know, recent, you know, you bring up the, the talented running backs. I think, I think a guy like Gentry Williams, who's still pretty young, right, uh, has an opportunity to start opposite Woody Washington. You know, it's, you've got some young guys on this team that were highly touted that I, I think are going to make a big impact this year. If number two, if... Bill Biedenboe still got it. <laughs> Basically saying if the offensive line's a lot better, then that's an if. Zero. Um, zero. I, I will never I will never be concerned about off- offensive line play as long as Bill Biedenboe is part of this program. He has now spanned three different head coaches. I uh, believe since he got hired, we have the highest yards per game average in the entire country at well over 500 yards a game. Um, you know, top 10 in rushing, rushing efficiency, top 10 in passing efficiency during that time. He's had, what, five 
Big 12 offensive lineman in a year or uh, of the year. I think five consecutively is what he had. Um, especially with him getting Schmitty back because we know how much strength and conditioning matters to uh, offensive line, and then getting uh, his buddy Seth Luttrell, who he knows very, very well, back into the fold. I think we're seeing, we're going to see the best of Bill Biedenboe yet because, Tyler, when you consider who his top five recruits are of all time that he has signed, all of them are still on campus outside of Bray Walker. So he's been recruiting at a higher level than he ever has and he might be landing Grant Bricks. So, no, Bill Biedenboe, you will not find a bigger supporter. If number three, if transfers are the answer for the defensive line. Trace Ford, Dejon Terry, Bothroyd, and some others. I will say three because I think Dejon Terry is, is really going to be a difference maker. We finally got a lot of size on the interior. I mean, obviously, Co. And uh, Jordan Kelly are, uh, are are definitely going to have something to say about that, um, especially Co. I think personally. But I mean, Dejon Terry, he's played in the SEC. You know, he looks good. You know, he played well at Kansas, played well at Tennessee. I, I like him in there, especially on those short yardage situations. And yeah, Rondell Bothroyd is the what highest win rate among returners in the Big Twelve at least that are returning to college football this time in the Big 12. Um, you know, Ethan Downs, second team all Big 12. I know he's not a transfer, but you, you've got you've got dudes that are not going to be wholly relied on. But, yeah, I'm, I'm very confident about, you know, what we've done with the transfers. If number four, if recent star recruits shine in the secondary, RSJ, Gentry Williams, Peyton Bowen, concern level is? Well, I touched on them earlier. My concern level is is still low, probably a two or three, maybe a two point five if I'm allowed that. When you think of a guy like Macari Vickers, that's a name that's not said a lot, but you know he is he has looked good. But um, even Josiah Wagner, Tyler, I mean, we've talked about him a bunch, and that guy's young, young. So, I mean, I think they've really they've really got an opportunity to get the young guys in there. Obviously, RSJ weighed in at two hundred and twelve pounds. And that guy was already a hitter. If that guy can get cleared uh, after he uh, had, you know, minor surgery, if he can get cleared sooner rather than later, that guy's going to be laying the wood again this year. So, yeah, excited about the young guys. I mentioned Gentry Williams earlier, who I like to start across Woody Washington. Last one, if culture kicks in, what does that mean? Basically saying the standard has been slowly slipping defensively and Venable needs to uh, rectify that immediately and get this culture and the standard back on the defensive side of the ball. They need to do it. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with a one, and I know that was the most sunshine-pumpingest uh, five You think ever. OU's a national title contender? Zero well, or two, two, zero, three, two and a half, and a what, what, a zero is that we just said? Whatever no, it is, one, one. One, you know, I'm not getting crazy, you know. <laughs> you know, um, I put a three in there, you know, so. But, no, I, I think – I think you started to see glimpses of it last year, but you just missed the depth, man. You can't be on the field for that many snaps. 
and obviously the offense, you know, late in the game, you know, put the defense in some tough positions with their pace. So I think everybody's going to learn. I mean, Danny Stutzman said there's no way he could have led workouts. There's no way he could have led, you know, walkthroughs and things like that. Now he's the one teaching the playbook, right? I mean, just simple things like that. You know where you have to be all the time. And during those last three or four games of the season, you really saw a light bulb come on for him. Now he's got a whole other offseason. I think we're I think we're truly going to see – you know, the culture that's been rebuilt back up and uh, and really see the different planet defense that Brent Venables talked about. So out of those five, the, the one I'm least concerned about or, or most confident that it's going to end up being just fine or a strength if recent star recruits shine in the secondary. Um, Peyton Bowen's got a chance to start this year, but if he doesn't start, I think he's going to see significant snaps. Gentry Williams, I think, has a very good chance to start at that second corner spot. RSJ, I think he's got a real chance to, to play a lot this year. Um, if he's healthy and ready to go, you mentioned Josiah. Like, I don't worry about the secondary at all. I, I feel like it could be a strength of the team. The one I may worry about the most is the first one, if recent star recruits shine at the skill positions. Clearly, I'm not worried about running back, but wide receiver is still my biggest question mark. So, I would say that's the one that I would put it like a, a five or so because I feel good about the running backs, but the wide receiver, it's just it's still a question to me, man. It's still a big question. You know, are we? All right, or and I don't I don't necessarily have a strong opinion on this. I really want to get your opinion and the text line's opinion. Last year we didn't have a lot of guys step up. Obviously relied on Marvin Mims a ton, uh, Jaleel Farouk. We went to Braden Wills a lot in the past game. How much of that do you think, Tyler, was a product of losing Kale Gundy? Just going to those two wide receivers? So you're basically saying the developments with the The, wide receiver room as a whole. Yeah, the halted development. um, It it had an impact. It absolutely had an impact. When when you make that change that quickly, and I think LaDamian Washington, is he with the Chiefs now? Is Is that where he's... He was at Western Kentucky at one point, but someone sent something out about him being at Chiefs camp last week. Wherever he's at, like he's got, I think he's got a great future. I think he's going to do some some really nice things in in that industry. But that's a tough spot to just be thrown into in the month of August, like he was. So I think it was a factor for sure. It's just, I don't know, man. I, I I just marvin mims just left a lot of plays out there especially plays that he was wide open he just dropped it so i I think it was a factor i just don't know if it was the factor right right but i but i think we i think we're slightly judging our current crop of wide receivers based on some of them not being able to get on the field last year you know when you look at you know an lvbs or or a uh, jj hester or, you know, obviously Nick Anderson was dealing with health issues. Jaden Gibson was having some drops due to probably some mental issues um, and some confidence issues, I should say, instead of mental issues. Um, and and I, think, I think that is what more so I think was affected by losing Kale, right? I think there's the lack of development of that next man up, right? There shouldn't be that big of a drop-off. And I think, Tyler, if Emmett Jones is half – as good at developing wide receivers as he is at acquiring them, then I am wildly confident in this year's wide receiver core. Yeah, that's that's a fair take, the way that he's recruiting that right, right now, that's for sure. Uh, Texas had four ifs, by the way. 
let's see uh, how we feel about ESPN's four ifs on Texas being a title contender. The way that they're talked about, I'm surprised they had that many. If Quinn Ewers or some other Texas quarterback shows up on key plays, all right, that's one. Two is if Sark does two. So immediately we have questions about head coach and quarterback, okay. Uh, Three, if young running backs aren't a hindrance. And four, if opponents move backward more. So I I do think that's pretty telling, man, that a team that's got a ton of hype and a ton of expectations, the first two questions that ESPN puts out, half of the ifs on the entire Texas football team are centered around head coach and quarterback. Well, I mean, Tyler, it's, it's, it's right there in front of them, right? I mean, we've talked about it over and over. Sark has never won 10 games. Texas has underachieved pretty much for, what, 13 years now. So at a certain point, like those two, that you're counting on things to change that have never, like, changed before, right, that you have a lot of evidence to. And then last year, Quinn Ewers, while talented, was at best, by any metric, the fourth best, maybe fifth best quarterback in the Big 12. I mean, so, uh, you know, they're asking, and, and they are, you know, ESPN got it right. Those are definitely ifs because you're asking two things to happen that you have no no precedent, no evidence, and a decent sample size. This is this is Quinn's third year in college football. This is Sark's, how many, what, 10th year coaching, something like that? I, don't, I think, yeah, see. yeah, right, right, somewhere right around there. That's, right. That's, so that's you, close, but that's not exactly it. Large sample sizes. I mean, Quinn, yeah, he reclassified, but if you reclassify, you should be, you know, ready to at least try and get on the field. But reclassifies, goes to Ohio State, never sniffs the four deep, and then goes to Texas, is at best the fourth best quarterback in the Big 12. And then now all of a sudden it's boom. First round pick, man. This has got to be it. Like, what? Like, what are we doing here? 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. When we come back, we'll look across the big storylines going on across college football, including uh, how Notre Dame views itself and all this crazy conference realignment reports at a Texas camp as to which of the three quarterbacks has the strongest arm. We'll look around the sport coming up next right here on The Ref. The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. It is the rush on the Ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Know what caught Teddy's eye today because, well, Teddy's been gone all week. He's on vacation. We'll catch up with him on Monday but that is brought to you by Yala Gosney Law. When you call a law firm, do you want to actually talk to a lawyer? At Yala Gosney Law, communication is a priority. 405-800-8080, 405-800-8080. That's Yala Gosney Law. Okay, let's look across college football here. First, and, and this isn't all that surprising, Travis, but Pete Thamel is reporting any potential changes in the Big Ten are not expected to impact Notre Dame's view on independence. So Washington and Oregon probably headed to the Big Ten. The four-corner schools probably headed to the Big 12, and Notre Dame's just saying, yeah, we're good. We're just going to hang out being an independent. No big deal. Yeah, I mean, I 
Uh, I know this is probably unpopular, but I don't blame them. Why, why should Notre Dame join a conference? It has not hindered them in any way. They just signed a $100 million deal with Under Armour. They have their own TV deal with NBC. They can schedule their rivalries however they see fit. They do not need a conference championship in order to make the playoff. As the playoff expands to 12 teams, they certainly won't need a conference championship to make the playoff. What reason is there to join a conference, Tyler? Um, unless it was money, which controls everything, and they're operating at a massive deficit, then there's probably not one, like you said. They got full control of their own schedule. Uh, well, I guess outside that ACC deal that they have, but yeah, they're 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 okay. They're fine right now. So I, I yeah, don't I, I don't know if I'm sure the someday TV they'll join a conference, real, but it's not anytime soon. Yeah, the TV deal is is what matters the most to me, right? Because you said, well, the the, the reason anybody is doing anything like this is for money. Well, like I said, hundred million dollar Under Armour deal. Okay, that sounds pretty good. I mean, you've got the NBC deal. Okay, that's big time. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I When other schools are like, and they're set up well for it, like because they have the, the scheduling figured out, they've got all that. When other schools, like when like Oregon talked about, like, oh, we can go independent because we have the money, like uh, well, Nike does. Like Nike has the money. But unless you want to even further go down that road of, look, we're not even pretending to be a college anymore. We're actually just a nike academy or we're a nike you know this that or the other we're changing it to the university of nike like now no not many teams can do it for the long haul and i think notre dame is pretty much the one that can you just mentioned nike money and i read about this story today dan lanning i think is going to be a very hot commodity out there in head coaching searches especially in the s for sec teams in the next two to three years you're going to have to pony up an incredible amount of money to get him away from Oregon because he signed that new deal last week. And Travis, apparently, the buyout, if another team wanted to try and poach Dan Lanning from Oregon, the buyout is reportedly $20 million to get him out of Oregon. That doesn't even include what you would have to pay him, probably around $9 million to hire him for another job. $20 $20 million is Dan Lanning's buyout in Eugene. Uh, A-plus effort there by the Oregon Ducks in that recent uh, contract. Nice job, guys. Those are just the taxes on Jimbo's buyout. Woo. Man. That's, uh, you know what? When, when that deal came across, you know what I thought of? I thought of our conversations about Mike Norvell. Who, Tyler, who was going after Dan Lanning? Uh, at what point? I think OU interviewed him when they no, hired no, after, uh, Brent like Venables. after this past year. I, I don't like, know. Was Auburn going after him? At no, one when point? he got yeah, when he got the extension. I mean, he was he just completed a year at Oregon. I mean, it didn't blow anybody's socks off by any stretch of the imagination. Didn't win their conference. You know, didn't play in the conference championship game. I I just feel like they paid him early. I mean, I get trying to lock a guy up, but. What I think and that was their concern. They think like they're going to win a lot of games, and they want to lock him up now and make it really difficult for anyone. And probably, too, after that whole Mario Cristobal leaving Oregon for Miami, they're probably, okay, we are not going to let this happen again, no matter what. Right. No, I get that. I mean, I, I just think I wonder if Oregon is going to run into an issue, again, similar to the Mario issue, because what what is – 
What has Dan Lanning been able to do at Oregon so far? What would you say that he has done better than any other part of his job so far at Oregon? Um, that he, I mean, he, he's only been a head coach one year, to be fair. Um, right, but, he, but what, what at his job was he best at? Or is oh, he best pro- at? Probably recruiting, I, I would guess. Did they win 10 games last year? I think they were 9-3 and three going into the Holiday Bowl. Did they win the Holiday Bowl and get to 10 wins? So, I, I, don't, I, I like Dan Lanning as a head coach, so I... I guess I don't have a huge twenty million dollars is a lot in buyout money, and they're paying him a lot. But I, I guess I feel pretty confident in Dan Lanning, and he's going to do some nice things out there. Yeah, he, you know what? He very much could, very much could, absolutely. But th- here's my issue. First of all, Mario Cristobal won ten games, and Dan Lanning won ten games the next year. So it's he he maintained that record, which, as we've learned, is is not that easy to do. Uh, but my my point in all this, Tyler, is. If what you're best at is recruiting to Oregon, guess what? Everybody recruits well to Oregon because they're dropping bags. Like what? What happened when? Like what happened when when Mario got there? Oh man, Mario, heck of a recruiter. Well, now he leaves for Miami. Heck of a recruiter. Uh oh. Now the Ruiz money's drying up. The Life Wallet money's drying up, and now he's losing games. It's like I feel like Tyler. If if what you're best at at Oregon is hey, I'm a really good recruiter. Yeah, that's the bare minimum. That's the sure. bare minimum at Oregon. Uh, I like, think I so, might pick uh, Oregon to win the Pac-12 this year. So we'll see if he can uh, earn that massive paycheck that he's getting this year. We'll see. Kurt, Kurt Bowles of the Austin American Statesman, he's out at Texas practice today, and he says no question that Texas Malik Murphy has the strongest arm of the top three quarterbacks. He whipped off a few 50-yard throws into the win today. So my updated, and it has stayed the same over the past several weeks, quarterbacks I hope Texas does not play in the OU Texas game this year. One, Malik Murphy. Two, Arch Manning. Three, Quinn Ewers. Malik Murphy I, I still uh, ranks number one for me as the QB I hope OU doesn't see in the OU Texas game this year. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing. All you would have to do, Tyler, is show people a picture of them standing next to each other and say, all right, which one of these guys has a cannon? Like, yes, of course Malik Murphy throws the ball farther. This is, I mean, but but what I like is into the wind. Into the wind, adding the adding the extra juice. It's peak offseason, man. This is this is what you're going to get. What you're going to get. I I hope that we get to play Quinn in Dallas. I hope we don't play Malik. I hope we get to play either Quinn or Arch, but I don't think Malik ever plays for them. I think the boosters won't allow it. Alabama is in a quarterback battle. The odds on who's going to win the starting quarterback job at Alabama, a little bit interesting here. Jalen Milrow is the long shot, plus 300 odds, 3-1. to one. Tyler Buckner, the Notre Dame transfer, at plus 140, and Ty Simpson, who's already been on campus. I think he redshirted last year. I believe Ty Simpson's a redshirt freshman. Listed as the favorite to win the Bama starting quarterback job at plus 105. So a lot of people, you know, their, their opinion on Alabama really went south after Tyler Buckner transferred there. Oh, my gosh, that's going to be their starting quarterback. Well, the odds say it's going to be the redshirt freshman on campus. Interesting, interesting. I wonder uh, wonder if that's Saban, you know, uh, causing a little bit of smoke before the season, if he's trying to misdirect. Because I'll tell you what. Not often, Tyler, has Nick Saban had the opportunity to misdirect who his starter is going to be. 
he has played a lot of teams that have had that opportunity to misdirect and force their opponents to maybe game plan for a couple different people. Maybe old St. Nick is sitting back saying, we'll see. you you got to prepare for all three. got different skill sets. I would say maybe Saban was throwing some money on that line to alter it a little bit. Yeah. But uh, dude just bought a $17.5 million beachfront home in Jupiter, Florida. So, I don't know. Maybe Miss Terry only allows him to uh, gamble a certain amount of money per week. Maybe he was, maybe he was gambling under his uh, mother or father's accounts. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I know a guy that's done that one. I, I know a guy that has some <laughs> tips on that one. Maybe Nick's betting on the Jets-Browns game tonight in the NFL. Who knows? Got to be. Got to be. All right, we'll close up hour number two of The Rush coming up next, live from Westwood Golf right here in Norman. More college football next right here on The Ref. This is The Ref Sports Radio Network. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of The Rush live from Westwood Golf right here in Norman. Westwood Golf, Westwood Pool. Summer's almost over, at least for the kids it is. So uh, make use of the last days of summer here at Westwood Golf, Westwood Pool in Norman. I was just reading a list of the uh, best Big Ten environments in college football. Um, Best Big 12 environment. Kansas State, it gets pretty loud in there. It's a pretty uh, spirited environment at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Yeah. You get with K State one. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's only like fifty thousand, but right, like, get, get, that's the, the problem. The stadium's you, like underground a little bit, so it holds the sound well. Feels like that's the problem. You're you're dealing with some small, I mean, relative some small stadiums, so it really comes down to the production. Sometimes a little bias of how the team's playing, things like that. Have we? Do we think Kansas State's is really good because, you know, we've been giving them a lot of reason to cheer lately, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, what about in the SEC? After we make our uh, first round of all the visiting environments in the conference and, you know, what, what the game looks like matters, is it going to be LSU, the toughest venue in the SEC? That's, that's my guess. It's got to be, especially if the game's at night. That place, LSU at night, OU coming in for the first time. Um, Maybe some bad blood will develop on the recruiting trail. Maybe OU will get Dominic McKinley, five-star defensive lineman, away from LSU, and that will develop. Yeah, you know. I'll probably say LSU one, Tennessee two, and, oh, boy. How about a sneaky pick of Auburn at number three? Apparently that place can get pretty nuts. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be cool. The eagle there, everything like that. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm down with that list. Georgia will be bored by then, winning all those national titles. Uh, yeah, sir. they would be four in a row by then or something. Uh, Peyton says Tennessee would be up there. Yeah, I think that might be uh, number two. Place was crazy last year for that Alabama game. Tennessee Vols gets to host the Georgia Bulldogs this year in the SEC East. All right, final hour coming up next. More OU football right here on the ref.